This episode is part of the series Know Your Candidates, conversations with city council and mayoral candidates for the election of 2017 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. The Radio Plasma podcast does not support or oppose any candidate for public office. This is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture, embrace diversity, conversations, sharing of opinions and ideas, and ensure diverse voices are represented in our media. Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. This is our series, Know Your Candidates. We are interviewing the candidates for the election of 2017 in the city of Holyoke. And today, I want to welcome one of the candidates for Ward 2 for the City Council, Jay Anthony Smith. Jay Anthony, welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Hello, Johan. Thank you so much for having me here. I know it's took some time, but it's definitely worthwhile to be here today. So thank you for having me. You're running for Ward 2 and you are the youngest of the candidates in this election, to my understanding. Um, yes, as far as I know, you know, besides school committee, um, I am the youngest candidate who is running. I'm 19 years old, um, running for Ward 2, which consists of South Holyoke, Springdale, Ingleside and Churchill neighborhoods. I've basically had history in South Holyoke, just South Holyoke itself, since about 79. My grandmother moved here from New York, and she's been here ever since. My mother grew up in Holyoke, was born in Springfield, though, and she's just went through Holyoke school systems. And she eventually moved on to Springfield, but she spent most of her life in Holyoke. And then me, um, you know, I was born in Springfield, but I've always had this on and off relationship with Holyoke until about five years ago. I moved here and just stood here constantly. But it's safe to say I've spent about half of my life um, in South Holyoke. You were attending Holyoke High School. So what can you tell us about your school history? I just graduated from the Gateway to College program through HCC, and now I'm going back this fall, and I'll be um, majoring in accounting and minoring in, in economics. And so I just graduated this June, which was great. Um, graduated at 19 years old. We had some setbacks. Um, almost, you know, there was times where I thought I was not going to see this high school diploma. You know, I had so many things going on. Um, you know, I became a teen father at 16, um, ended up leaving Holyoke High and dropping out to go for my GED. But somewhere along the road, you know, it just hit me, you know, while I was in the GED classes, there were people who were 30, 40 years old telling me, you know, I wish that I could go back and be your age and just I would not be here right now. And, you know, that um, really sunk in my mind. And not only that, I was working, you know, a little part time job at a store. And, you know, it, it was really busting, you know, all that I could every single day, you know, just to make a small amount of money that, you know, would go straight towards providing for my son. And that really started to hit me really hard, this reality that my grandfather all his life, you know, was working in a factory. Um, the factories in Holyoke, just working and working and working to the bone, you know, and eventually he just retired a few years ago. But, you know, for the amount of time that he gave compared to what he gets now, you know, it just made me realize that, you know, this is my opportunity to break this cycle. So I ended up going back. Um, it was a really rough year. 
um, that freshman year I went back, but I ended up finishing with, a, I believe it was like a 3.4 GPA. Um, went to sophomore year, finished with about the same GPA. Um, then junior year comes and it was just, you know, so many things are going on. You know, I felt like despite being me, you know, and having, you know, these connections, you know, with Dr. Shrike and being, you know, really active in the community, even I found myself isolated within the halls of Holyoke High and found myself feeling, you know, alone in the struggle, you know, why my peers are, you know, two, three years younger than me. And it just, it really, you know, the mind state of mine compared to theirs, it just, I felt out of place. And so I ended up finding the gateway to college program and they sealed the deal on, you know, high school. Um, I finished in about a year, I finished my junior and senior year and just a year at the Gateway to College program, and I wrapped up and graduated June. And so, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you, y'all. I definitely appreciate it. That is certainly always an inspiring situation and story to know and show because that always gives the example that it's just a matter of wanting and putting the effort towards a goal, especially when it comes to education because that is the foundation of a successful life. Regardless how far you want to go because when you have knowledge and you acquire those skills then you are able to do whatever you want then it becomes a process that never ends oh yeah in a way it's a, a bit like a passport education is somewhat like a passport that you can use to get where you need to go um and without that passport you know you're not going nowhere unfortunate how it is you know and i see the cycle happening in a community like mine all the time you know people are just put in a position where they cannot graduate where they cannot, you know, go to college due to the things around them or just due to, you know, the knowledge that they possess. And it's not that they don't want to earn this knowledge because I have plenty of friends of mine, you know, who they struggle and, you know, they bang their heads against the desk and they just question themselves, why can't I get this down? You know, it's times like this where you got to really think, you know, if I have a mind like mine, I need to use it and not take it for granted because there are people who struggle with simple, you know, arithmetic, simple, you know, one plus one, while I can sit here and do an algebra formula. So it's like taking a gift and just wasting it. And I, I'm sure if a lot of people in my community knew, you know, they, they would be very upset next time they saw me, you know, and be like, hey, how are you going to waste that, you know, when I struggle and wish I could be in your position. So it's really just about not taking it for granted and just taking advantage of it and using it to the best of your ability so you can use this passport and go wherever you want to go, whether it's to do work in your city to improve things or, you know, go see the entire world or move whatever you want to do, you know, whether it's at Harvard, Holyoke, that passport is priceless, in my opinion. So with all this experience and being part of different activities and involved with the community, I believe this is part of the reasons for you to feel motivated to say, I want to run for city council? Oh, yes. I think I've just taken everything. You know, the day that I pulled papers, the day before, um, you know, I looked at everything. Took a nice long walk around South Holyoke, went all the way up to, you know, City Hall. I take a lot of walks around Holyoke just to see what changes over time, see what doesn't change. Because um, I've been walking around here since, you know, I was young, eight, nine years old. My grandmother used to take me out for walks. Me and my brother and sister, you know, we go to the bodega and buy some candy, you know, and I'd see all these things as a child, but you don't know what's going on around you. Then you grow up and you start to see this. You know, and I start to see the issues that are going on, you know, whether it's like housing infrastructure, whether it's the drug activity that's going on in the community, lack of opportunities, the lack of educational opportunities, you know, the list could keep going on and on and on. And so I've just like looked at this and I said, you know, 
I think that I need to take advantage of this opportunity that I have. You know, I figured out a lot of things that people don't know. They didn't know you could run for city council at 18. A lot of people do not know this. And that's one of the main issues that it's it's not kept a secret, but it's not really as out there as it should be. As much as, you know, we say that we try to, to help these people out and help them out, you know, why is it that a lot of these people go as unregistered voters? You know, that we don't even bother to knock on their doors because they're unregistered voters. And so we don't believe that they're going to vote. We don't believe that they're going to participate in government. And so a way, it's like we start building this wall between us and them, you know, quote unquote. And that that's one of the main issues that I see is that it's either you're on this side or that side where I stand in the dead center. You know, I can sit here and go home to 584 South Summer Street, you know, in the projects and be one day, you know, sitting in a city council meeting, you know, listening to what's going on or overlooking these documents, you know, of what's been going on for the past two years. So it's just like this dual reality that I don't feel a lot of people get to see. And that is one of the things that realize like, hey, I need to expose this. I need to expose the people down here to the people up there, as well as the other way around. Because I feel that what it looks like from my perspective, you know, is you have people making these decisions but not knowing what people really want because that's you know this leads to the next topic of what's one of my strategies one of my strategies is very simple it's nothing complex it's just to listen johan just to go door to door and talk to everybody whether you can directly tell that these people use heroin or you know they go to college and work every single day you listen to every single person and every single voice whether they're going to vote or not because they live in this community they every day survive in this community so in my opinion their voice counts just as much as someone who has a flawless voting record just because they've never registered to vote just because they've never voted have no interest in it does not mean that their voice does not matter in this government and i feel that we need to reach out more rather than expecting them to come to us you know and and show up to these meetings or you know show up to these events because chances are they're not and you know past years this strategy does not work this strategy i'm going to wait and see if these people come it does not work only a handful of people come and that's the handful of people that you hear from every single year and that is like in my eyes it's a bit undemocratic because you have this population Holyoke South Ward 2 itself is about last uh, voter registration you know count up I think it was about 3,000 people roughly and out of that 3,000 people I believe it was you know 2015 election only like seven eight nine hundred just off the top of my head voted it's such a small amount that it's outrageous for this lack of like voter participation and if we know this maybe we should do more you know like for example they've done the the city hall bus you know they were talking about that and i've seen it in action you know where they go and and register people you know or um you know i personally believe in automatic voter registration you know where people are just automatically registered so you, you know if you can register on the spot whatever it is so people can become more aware it's not about who you're going to vote for just the fact that you're voting and getting your vote out there because i feel that a lot of people just are in these situations because they're they don't have this voting power voting is like a tool it's one of the tools we have in democracy you know to have our our voice heard you know it's either you're gonna do is like basically we say as our elected representative or we're gonna vote someone else in office who's gonna um and i feel like little by little we start to lose that power when this handful of people and don't get me wrong they they're uh registered voters this is part of the democratic process of having a handful of people who have the right to vote but i believe that if we had the three thousand everyone voting you'd see a lot you know, a way different situation. In other words, you see 
in my eyes, power back to the people. And you'd see this change and a shift in what the city really wants, you know, to be done. Because when I talk to some of these people, they, you know, they, they know nothing about a revitalization plan. They know nothing of what's going on in City Hall. You know, they're focused on day-to-day -day getting by. And if we could make that easier for them, that's what I personally feel is the job of the government. Not to come up with some grand plan that's going to make this, you know, economy and theory. You know, I believe that we need to see what's going on with these people day-to-day day and figure out how we can help them. You know, it's about them. It's not about us and what we want to see of Holyoke. It's not our vision of Holyoke. It shouldn't be. It should be about the 40,000 and some change people who live here, in my opinion. What are among the issues you already mentioned, like drugs, lack of employment, lack of opportunities for education, housing? What other challenges do you identify that War II is facing? One of the biggest things that I think that no one talks about, well, everyone likes to make a scene about, but no one really addresses, is, you know, my mind. I see it. I lived there for years. Is this constant policing. And don't get me wrong, South Holyoke does has its fair share of crimes, but I, I just think that we need to start thinking about the psychological mentality that you start to imprint on people after years and years of constantly seeing police circle the block, constantly seeing police in you know their neighbor's house, constantly seeing police on the corners. What happens is you start to have this, you know, feeling of, of being trapped. It's almost as, you know, it, it creates a mentality of, you know, you're trapped in this this neighborhood, you know, and these police officers are here to secure you in this neighborhood. And I personally feel like that's one of the biggest things that are untalked about. You know, one morning I, I've gone and opened the back door to the, go on the porch and I see police officers running around, you know, with guns openly, you know, and this is not something that would happen um, in the Highlands. This is not something that would happen all the way in, uh, what's that, Ward 7. You know, it's just, it's a different reality. And when you start to look at this, you know, why is it I you know, have to wake up every day and see police surrounding my neighborhoods. I get it. You know, it's it does have its fair share of crime, but this has been a tactic for years, Johan. It's been a tactic for years. You know, you have police constantly swarm in one area, and my question is, how well has that done? You know, you still see this crime that, in my opinion, sometimes it's over-publicized. You know, when you think of South Holyoke, I had a friend one day who told me, you know, we were all supposed to meet up And, you know, when I said I lived in South Holyoke, they all, you know, shook their heads no. They were like, I don't want to get shot or stabbed. And, and it's ridiculous, that mentality to think that my neighborhood is viewed like that as, you know, in a way a barbaric neighborhood, but it's really not. You know, I've met some of the kindest, hardworking people in that neighborhood, and, and it's like you blame one person for everything, and I, that's one of the biggest things that I think happens. Not only that, but another issue I feel is this infrastructure. That's one of the biggest things, you know. How can we talk about revitalizing a city, revitalizing an economy, but yet for years and years now, people of South Holyoke, people of Springdale, people of War too, you know, have gone and through a, a cycle where they're stuck in the same infrastructure thing. You know, alleys are rotting. They're decaying, basically. Sidewalks are, you know, falling apart. And the thing is, we don't start seeing anything done about this until election year until just a few months until election year comes that's when we start to see you know the sidewalk slowly getting paved that's when we see the crosswalks painted back white and you know it's frustrating to see that come around election year just because i know that it's for votes i know that it's so that you know when the next time they talk to a voter they can be like hey i fixed some of the sidewalks hey i fixed some of the crosswalks 
you know, but my question is, why didn't you fix this a year ago or a two, you know, two years ago, three years ago? When, you know, why can't these things be prevented? Um, and it's like we wait to the last minute until things are falling apart and then we want to fix them. You know, but if we see this as a problem now, maybe we should address it now rather than wait on the long run and see how things turn out. You know, just because people don't complain about it doesn't mean it's a problem. You know, basically some of the alleys in South Holyoke are so bad that, they, that they're dirt roads. You know, it <laughs> looks like a third world country in my backyard. And how can we brag to the rest of the state? you know, that we're the city of Holyoke, you know, we want you to come invest in us when we don't in, even invest in our own people. That is, I feel like, is the biggest problem. Another one is, it's a hot topic that no one wants to talk about, but, you know, gentrification. It's, it's a really big thing to me, and it's a slow process, but it's a sure process that does happen. I've looked over the revitalization plan myself, and one of the chapters is, I believe it's called displacement or relocation, something along those lines. But in black and white, it says that some people will have to be relocated due to this economic plan, uh, due to, you know, us making this economy great again. Well, you know, we're going to have to relocate you. Of course, we'll provide somewhere else to, for you to go. But, you know, at the, in the end of my mind, whether you provide a place or not, it's still wrong. You know, you're taking people out of their home for your economic policies, not policies that they've crafted, you know, and that's what I think is a really big issue. Um, you know, you're calling upon people from outside of the city to come invest in Holyoke. And it, to me, it's backwards, just because of the idea that why, you know, Holyoke is, was built to be independent from the beginning, from the dam to the way we set up our canal system to, you know, the way we set up factories and housing. It was designed to be independent completely from the areas around it. This is what made Holyoke one of the top thriving cities. And to me, that just is, is a bit of a metaphor in a way, you know, because I believe that we can find the resource that, resources that we need here in Holyoke. We can find everything we need here in Holyoke rather than, you know, going to Northampton, calling on people from Boston, calling on people from Connecticut, wherever it is. We don't really need them in a way because we have everything we need right here. There's plenty of educated people in Holyoke. There are plenty of leaders who can step up, plenty of brilliant people here. And not only that, but we have a hardworking population. We can, you know, in a way, manufacture our own workforce and manufacture our own economy rather than depend on economies that, you know, they come. But the thing about something that comes is it also goes as well, Johan. And I think that's the biggest misconception is that, you know, if we bring in this new economy, this, um, you know, revitalization, which to me is it's just like an offensive word. It's just like saying there's no life here in Holyoke, um, so we need to, quote unquote, revitalize it. Um, you know, I believe that we can find everything we need here, you know, whether it's it's workers, whether an economy plan, you know, I do not believe that we need to call on not outsiders, but people who are not from the city of Holyoke, probably not born in the city of Holyoke, probably do not spend as much time as, you know, me and you do in the city of Holyoke. You know, we're heading down the wrong road in, in other words you know we're we're looking for something that's really not there you know because this is this has happened before in, in uh, new york you know gentrification happens and you push out everyone in manhattan and uh, i believe san francisco it's happened you know um I want to say somewhere in Oklahoma. I don't know if it's Oklahoma City, but you know this is nothing new, and it's 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 a process has been done before. And what happens is, you know, you do you can make your new economy. You know this this idea of economy that you plan out. But the thing is, a lot of people are going to suffer from that on the long term. 
um, you know, whether, you know, they do wind up being kicked out of housing, their own housing, because they simply cannot afford it, you know, or what happens is I've seen this, this is happening in Boston right now, um, and I believe the neighborhoods of Brockton, what's going on is, yes, that they're subsidized, but what happens is the neighborhoods around them become gentrified, and so thus the businesses around them become gentrified, and I think that's what people, they don't think, you know, it's going to happen. They're, they're saying, no, nah, it'll still be affordable for us poor people, but what happens is it does not become affordable for us poor people. You know, we can't afford milk. We can't afford gas. We can't afford the necessities that we need to keep moving day to day. You know, that's when a Whole Foods replaces a Save-A-Lot, and most of the people I know around here cannot afford to shop at Whole Foods, you know, and I'm sure that would be great for the economy. It'd be great for the government, you know, in regards to taxes and the, the amount of income that the government would start receiving. But it's not going to help the, you know, I believe last I checked, there was about 30 percent, um, the 30 percent of the population who, who lives in poverty in the city of Holyoke. You know, it's not going to help them. They're not going to see any increase on this. They claim, you know, we'll get jobs, you know, but in my opinion, I, I'd rather be jobless than be pushed out of my home. And I guarantee you plenty of people would agree with me. So on that, I guess we could move on to another issue if you like, because I could keep going on gentrification for a while. So running for War Two means doing um, a lot of work. Yeah. Just for the issues that you are mentioning right now that, like you say, you can go on because there's a lot of work to do. And that is being done, as a matter of fact. So you have a strong contendant, current War II city councilor, Nelson Roman, and I see this as a really interesting process of bringing more initiative and more ideas, in your case being uh, the youngest candidate for this election, also bringing an example of civics, being involved into the government and the whole community process that shows a lot of disposition to do things, to make change, and that's that's an example that you are setting by doing this, just by running at this moment. What is your strategy? What is your plan? If you become city councilor for War II, what we can expect from Jay Anthony Smith? Well, one of the first things, and I, you know, I've joked about it, but I, I'm really serious. I'd definitely like to pass an order to get a mailbox placed back in uh, the South Hollywood community, because that's, um, you know, I don't think that like this is these are the little things that you know are often overlooked. You know, a mailbox. The the nearest one is either in Springdale or I believe you got to go up to the fire station. And a few months of, of talking to people, I've met a lot of people who have either A, disabled children, or they themselves are disabled. Um, if we know we have a population that has, you know, a good percentage of people who face disabilities, why is it we do little things like that that make their life a little bit harder? You know, that I simply cannot respect. That mailbox was there. It was on Sargent Street, I believe, on the corner of Sargent and almost uh, South Street. And... It was gone one day. It was there for years and years and years. My grandmother used to have me drop off mail there, and then it was gone. And it's little things like that. You know, my grandmother, you know, for example, has, uh, you know, a real bad knee and her arthro um, arthritis in her right knee. It's real bad, you know, where she walks with a limp and a cane and everything, you know. And, and you know, someone like that has to walk all the way up the hill. A lot of us don't have cars as well. They, they forget that. And she has to go all the way up the hill to drop off her mail. But that's one of the small orders. Um, another one is to really focus on the things, the, the list that I've been given by the people. I have a, a list that I, you know, every person I talk to, I just ask them, what's something you'd like to see done in your community? 
some people have told me something as grand as you know them building a community center in the in the area which i think is a very important thing to know there's the closest besides like little um, nonprofit organizations but you know you have the boys and girls club up the hill and the ymca both you have to pay for and i'm sure it's not too much but the thing is the fact that you still have to pay for it at all you know we feel bad, so bad for these people who are trapped in poverty. Why is it we still make them pay for things, regardless if they're, you know, $5 or $50? It, it's still the idea that they might have to take that money out of, you know, their light bill. They might have to take that money out of their food budget, whatever it might be. And you just can't afford these things. Because I know growing up, I was, uh, you know, never really in any of these after-school activities, such as Boys and Girls Clubs, YMCA. You know, and lucky for me, I turned out all right. But, you know, I have people who I know, you know, that they didn't go to any of these things, and that's how you wind up in the streets. You wind up, you know, getting involved with the wrong people, or you're at the wrong place at the wrong time when you could be in a community center. But the thing is that, like I've said, there's parents who have children with disabilities. Um, you know, there's parents who work. There's just parents who can just not get up there at the times, you know, and it's, it's I think think that maybe we need to start thinking about if we know South Holyoke is a, is a quote-unquote troubled community, if we know it's one of the communities that faces some of the biggest issues, why isn't we do a little bit more to, to ease that? You know, this is exactly what I'm talking about, to the mailbox, to a community center. Some people have just told me little things like a, a sign, for example, on Main Street near Springdale. People fly through there, you know, and it's a residential neighborhood. But if it was a residential neighborhood up in, you know, Ward 7, you'd have to go like 25. But people fly up there doing like 40. One of the first things I want to do, get a speed sign up there. Um, maybe that would help slow down, you know. But it's little things like that, you know, trash. People have told me about trash, you know, they, they're sick of the neighborhood just being littered up with trash. Um, and it's a big issue, you know, you can walk around the neighborhood, some days it might be a little clean, and then, you know, come back a week later and there's trash everywhere, you know, some days, I was, I had spent like a week in Springfield with a friend, you know, we were working on like some project, I got like a lot of like writing I do on the side, but you know, when I came back to Holyoke, I was like, dude, what's going on like it's starting to look like a little bit like new york over here you know with the trash it's like you know it's ridiculous and little things like that but another issue i definitely would like to see is is more production out of the government you know to move on to more concrete issues it's definitely more production in the government found out recently city councilors take like what i think it's like a two-month vacation and i'm not saying you know that they they don't work hard enough for it as it is but i see it as you know in total there's what if you add them up, there's like one or two meetings a month about, and they're maybe an hour long to three hours long. Um, but I think it's it's not enough time that we're spending in there making decisions, passing little orders, or just moving on to a you know a subcommittee. And it's it's things like that that just need to get moved a little bit faster. So I'd like to see more production from the government itself. Another thing I'd like to really push for is is to find a way to increase the civic approach, to find a way to get people to actively vote a lot more. You know, whether it's if it's just going door to door, if that's what you have to do, then it's what you have to do. You can't, you know, wait for people to come. You have to go to them if you see that they're not participating. If you see that, you know, it's if it's not going up and it's just going down, then you need to change your strategy. And then one of the biggest things I like to do, <laughs> this one's going to be a headache, but I'd really love to do it because um, it's a strategy that I think is working really well. Um, and you're familiar with it yourself, Christine Alger with the Holyoke Youth Commission. That's a strategy that I love. 
she takes all these different branches, you know, youth services, and combines them all together. And somehow, you know, in this room, when everyone's working together, great ideas are born. We need something like that on a large scale for the city. We need something where we can pull together our police officers. We need something where we could pull together our teachers, you know, our politicians, everyone in one big room, you know, down to the common person who is on welfare. You know, you need everyone in one big room so you can talk about these issues and find a solution to it, you know. So in other words, if I'm not the person to come up with these solutions, I'd like to be the person who at least starts talking and having this conversation. So it's a plan that focuses on small things, like you said, but meaningful and important, especially for a community that has been, in many ways, neglected. Yes. So that's really strong perspective of things that sometimes people in city council and the upper wards see differently, or they don't see at all. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they don't have to, they are lucky enough not to have to think about those issues, but doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things I think that, you know, this is bringing back to, you know, being on both sides of the ledge, you know, in the city of Holyoke, I've noticed things are black and white, you know, it's either you're on the outside looking in or you're on the inside looking out. Um, and I've been given, you know, a special opportunity to be on both sides and, you know, say, hey, maybe we need to make a bridge in the middle, you know, so we can open up the door to have these conversations. They are uncomfortable. No one wants to say they're wrong. Um, and I'm also not saying anyone is wrong, but I think that we need to open up the door to have these conversations in the first place if we're going to come to find solutions for the city of Holyoke. How can people get in touch with you and know more about your campaign? Well, I definitely have my personal Facebook page, J. Anthony Smith. And it's personal. The reason why I was kind of off about starting a page is because I'm doing this completely on my own, Johan. I have no team running this for me. I have no backup support, no volunteers, none of that. It's, it's you know, the lone, I'm the lone ranger. And so it's not a bad thing in the way because I think that what happens is you have a lot of people who are not put in positions, you know, it's everyone like me, you know, who can have these teams, who can run all these things for them. But if not, my Facebook page, if not my cell phone number is 413-306-1011, and that's my direct line to reach me. But if not, Facebook is definitely one of the best places to reach me. So we will have this contact for Facebook on our website, radioplasma.com, so that way you can look for this information and get in touch with Jay Anthony and get to have more of these conversations that you are mentioning as part of the process of engaging more with the community. Jay Anthony, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for running. Thank you for, <laughs> for setting this example for a future generation and for the community in general. I believe this is going to change a lot of things from the way, like you said, the democratic process mm -hmm. is handled. Many people, they don't even realize they could be doing exactly what you're doing right now. Exactly. Um, we really need to just start having these conversations around this, whether it's a 19-year-old from Ward 2 or, you know, a 70-year-old man from Ward 7. You know, no matter the differences, whether it's skin, religion, class, whatever difference it may be, I think that, you know, we all have one thing in common, and that's the fact that we live in Holyoke. This is our city. And, 
you know, in my opinion, we need to let people know that Holyoke is not for sale. Holyoke is for Holyokers. And if we could start seeing it like that and realize, hey, maybe we'd be better off if we were united rather than divided, rather than just picking sides, if we all just had one side, maybe things could flow a lot better, in my opinion, in regards to the economy, in regards to employment, in regards to education, any issue, you know, when you have more minds put to it, can really be solved rather than tasking them all on your own and trying to, you know, come up with a plan on your own and, you know, work with a handful of people. I'd rather work with everyone and hear different perspectives, whether they're Republican perspectives, Democrat perspectives, conservative or liberal, whichever in between, you know, it does not matter. I think that everyone has a voice and everyone should be entitled to that voice and everyone should be also entitled to have that voice listened to. So thank you, Johan, for definitely having me. Definitely appreciate your words of wisdom. And hopefully, you know, who knows? Might be, you know, a city councilor in a few months. So who knows? This is Jay Anthony Smith, candidate for Ward 2 City Council for this election in November in the city of Holyoke. Thank you for being here with us, Jay Anthony. And this is our series, Know Your Candidates, part of the Radio Plasma podcast. This episode was recorded and produced at the Plasma Media Lab here in the Gandhara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>